Portland, Oregon-based Red Fang close out 2018 with two concerts at the Wonder Ballroom this Friday and Saturday. You can also catch them live at Seattle Showbox Theatre on New Year's Eve. The band's latest music video, a cover of Listen to the Sirens from Gary Newman's Tubeway Army, is available on their website at redfang.net. Today we chat with two of the vocalists from the band, bassist Aaron Gabriel Beam and guitarist Brian Giles. I'm Gregory Day, this is pdxpodcast.com. The band's last full-length release was produced by Ross Robinson, who's worked with Korn, Slipknot, and At The Drive-In. In the following, Aaron tells us of his experience working with the producer. Well, Aaron, I read this interview of you talking about working with Ross Robinson and working with him, this immersive experience. It was really gripping reading, and uh, he was a spark plug. Yeah. I mean, if it was gripping reading, then you should have been there for the actual experience, because it was obviously like... My, I'm not a supreme storyteller or anything, so if, uh, if even just the retelling of what it was like was, you know, inspirational, it, that the moment was probably 20-fold. It was. He saw negatives as good. That was yeah. a really interesting concept. Yeah. He's struggles inspired by anything. Good. Basically, anything that caused you to struggle was a opportunity for growth. So he was inspired by that. And Brian, were you inspired? Were you inspired by Russ? Uh, it. Well, I guess inspired in, in, in the same way that, say, if your brain is a bee's nest and someone kept kicking it, then yes, he, um, he did a great job inspiring me. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, I, I said this before, but towards the end of the recording process, I was very happy with what we, what we had done, and, and, I was, and I was very excited. But it was such a sort of traumatizing event that I told Ross, I was like, you know, at some points during this recording, I hated you so much. And he says, hey, man, you wrote the songs, not me. And I said, <laughs> touche, sir, touche. Now, in another interview, Brian, you mentioned something very interesting, that you got into it with James Hatfield. Now, uh, did I get into it? You mean like a fight? No. You punched him. I did punch him. Because you were blacked out a little bit um, from... The same haze that we were all under in that moment. Yeah, I don't get starstruck, but that one freaked me. I do, honestly don't really remember the... And it was a very brief exchange. On, and then, yeah, I guess I hit him. I am... Uh, but what can you do, you know? Yeah. I mean... He we invited, ran into him again later, and he didn't seem to be have he didn't seem to have taken any offense. Yeah, to they it at threw all. a barbecue for a festival they were headlining, and we were playing the parking lot of somewhere, and uh, he and they invited us. So I guess I didn't punch him that hard. Yeah. Or I need to work out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not punching hard enough. I was gonna ask you if you've been working out your right hook. There you go. No, I, uh, I also really enjoyed watching your mini-documentary. This is from years ago. Um, 29 shows in, what, 31 days? Something ridiculous well, the, uh, like this in Europe. The documentary of our first headlining tour in Europe. Yes. The one that Whitey did. Yes. Yeah, that was a... Uh, I've reflected on that one many times because uh, as we've progressed and grown as a band and gotten older as humans, uh, I feel like 
we've gotten used to a much higher level of comfort. And there's some times when I uh, lament my inability to sleep on hardwood floors and, um, you know, because you spend more money when you stay in hotels and everybody has a bed and whatever. But it's also pretty nice. Yeah, but that van, but get out of here. That's the thing is then I think oh, back man. to that van and there's no way. I can't believe we were able to do that. It was the most crowded. It was like a one of those circus you know, like the clown car. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy how many people we were cramming into oh. the, such a tiny amount of space and doing lots and lots of overnight drives where we had to, like, try to figure out how to sleep. It was real cramped quarters, and uh, Whitey didn't make it any easier by coming out for the first. He was there for the beginning and the end of it, and uh, it was already basically as packed as it could be, and then, we had, and then we added him and all of his camera equipment, and he's, like, trying to shoot us while we're all crammed in this tiny van, so... It was pretty rough. I'm really glad he did that, though, because yeah. it's cool. I mean, even though like, I look at that, that documentary, I haven't looked at it in a while, but just even seeing some of those situations makes my back hurt, you know? Yeah, it was oh, you crazy. Know, we were in our, it looks very cramped. We were in our 30s then, so that is no longer the case. Yeah, never will be again. 30, 30-somethings, us, can do that. Yeah. That Brian, do you still carry a toothbrush with you? On stage? Uh, not in the back pocket, no, because I, I think that just ultimately it's just a sanitation issue. But I liked it for, I mean, I was just, you know, my my dental health is important, so, you know, however it gets you to do it, you know, it's always, in your, always on your person. Yeah. There's some great, great moments with Chris Coyle, your tour manager in this film, and you still work with, with Chris, and there was an article about him in the Willamette Week not too long ago, talking about your near-death experience on the road when the van turned over. Yeah, it wasn't the near-death experience from just the smell of our farts or the one where we rolled the van? Possibly both. Yeah. <laughs> what people don't know is that the roller was caused by a fart so terrible that Aaron lost control of the vehicle. Yeah. My own fart. Basically, it wasn't a deer. It was just Aaron said, oh, dear. Yeah. And while he's trying to roll the windows down, that's what it did it. I haven't read much about this accident. Is that is that by choice? Is it something you sort of block out? Was the accident by choice? Well, I mean, is it something that you you don't talk about no, it very much? No, I don't much? mind talking about no, it. No, not at all. I mean, it, it's, it was, like it's a near-death experience. Yeah. But I think that after... But but near is the, is the crucial word in that sentence. Right. It's near. Yeah. I can be near president and not be president. I can be right. near... Well, you can't be near pregnant. <laughs> right. But I also feel like, yeah, that's... Uh, it was just a thing. It, it happened, I guess, maybe it's just because of the timing of when it happened. It was sort of before people were really asking us a lot of questions. And, um, I mean, we weren't interviewed very much at the time. And it wasn't like anybody knew who this band was that rolled their van. And so I don't think we have any sort of hesitation to talk about it. It's just like it happened long enough ago that it kind of like is a thing that... You know, it's not very present in people's minds. It was Do already you think seven. about it? Is it present in your minds? No. It, it runs across my mind every once in a while we're in the van. Yeah. You know, because, I, because I continue to not wear a seatbelt because, it's you know, if you're in the back of the van, you have your own bench. And laying down, it's like basically you roll in the dice. You're like, do I lay down? Rolling the dice. Hey, yes. So it's just, and I basically choose to lay down. So, you know. I've thought about, I mean, I think about that kind of, I don't think about, that particular accident uh, but I very often think about especially our vehicle in Europe I sit I uh, in <coughs> we have bunks and my bunk is uh, sort of oriented the same way like a van bench is 
and then there's this little teeny opening. And so I do think about which way I'm lying would would cause me the least bodily harm, harm if we got into like a head-on collision. Yeah, do you think you, know, you would I, like because you would sort of be sideways supermaning out the thing? Would you get extruded like? Yeah, like I feel like I would get skin or something. I would get the skin. You would probably get skin. Yeah, yeah. You would get you get tacoed in. Yeah, it would your, be real Your bad. knees would hit your forehead, and you would get squ- yeah. extruded. It would be terrible. So I do think about that. I don't think about rolling the van. I mean, because I'm the one who was driving, so I don't think like it would be pretty bad if I was constantly worried about rolling the van again while driving. So no, I don't think about it. Um, I imagine that other people probably think about it while I'm driving, but uh, I feel like it was mostly just a freak thing, and I'm you know. I feel pretty confident in my own driving. So, to some degree, for me, it's kind of like garp. You know, what is, the band has been garped. You know, it's like basically they're looking, they're looking at to buy this new house, and they're looking at it with the real estate agent, and an airplane flies into it, and uh, Robin Williams says, "We'll take it," right? Because what are the chances of a plane running into it again? Yeah, we've been garped. Yeah, I like it. Something Chris also talked about was the grumpy hat. This is oh, yeah. a real thing? Grumpy this, hat. A grumpy oh, hat? Well, what is a grumpy be, hat? It, it like, used to be, but we just, like, I think that we mostly tried to outgrow being grumpy. Um, but, uh, which helps. It's like you guys have gotten closer over the years. Well, we've all gained some weight, so we're physically closer. Just That's by, true. <laughs> but uh, I feel like... One of the things that has also happened as a result of... I can't take too much credit for these things, but I feel like we... Like Brian was saying, we were in our 30s when we did that tour in Europe, and we're not in our 30s anymore. And it's pretty well established that your testosterone goes down as you're getting older. And I feel like we just don't have the energy to be grumpy anymore. And I also think we've learned each learned about each other enough to where we... I know what... You know you, the warning signs. I know what... Yeah. I know... Uh, a whole lot about everybody in the band. Everybody knows a whole lot about me, you know. So it's amazing. You know, you know. what each other's puke looks like. Yeah, well, exactly. you can see. You yeah. know, like you can see when your dog is like, oh, that he's gonna shit. He needs to poo. You can kind of see, like, okay, that dude, he's gonna, he's got like that look in his eye where I'm just gonna yeah. avoid. I've got 30 seconds to get out of the green room <laughs> yeah. bef- before he starts on what he's gonna talk about. Yeah, and I'm gonna take a walk. It's gonna be great. And then I. You know, and and basically, we're all really good at that, and it's in all ways, and and also like we say, because we do have a little more comfort. Well, maybe not. It's about the same. Oh, it's <laughs> much more it comfort is, than it used to be. That's true, because we used to tour in a van that had no seats, and we had all the gear in the van, and then we had a van that had some seats with gear in the van, and now we have gear in the trailer. So. Yeah, and that we, is get, a lot we get three. Ho- we get everyone gets their own bed. We used to be five people to one hotel room, and sleeping on floors. Like we're definitely we're more spread out, and yeah, we're much. That's more true. Yeah, we do have more physical space to to breathe. We mentally, physically. No. That's great. The benefits of age and uh, and being successful. Yeah, Aaron, uh, you cite no means no. As a, as a great influence, I can hear that that very aggressive bass, very yeah. aggressive bass. So you sort of have this sort of uh, like punk punk sort of attitude you bring towards uh, the band with your, your well. I think that part bass. of what the other thing that yeah, I mean, and I think that they typified what punk means to me and what I think 
I feel so like good. punk should mean, which is yes. you do what feels right to you. You do whatever the fuck you want to do. You don't conform to some, like, particular style or sound or anything like that. Whatever, like, I know that everybody does that to some degree, but I feel like punk did get bastardized very quickly after its inception into a clothing style and a, and a musical style. And it's, it was never one of those things, either of those things in the beginning. Um... And it's very raw. Just, yeah, uh, and I no feel like Domi's Snow just always did whatever the fuck they wanted to do. And it exactly. was, you know, but I also, and I also really appreciate that I know that they're done, but uh, just seeing those guys do it at like in their 60s and how much energy they brought to their live show and how they're just awesome. Super ins- inspirational as humans as much as musically. How's the crowd changed over the years? You've been together for a long, long time. Your fans are very passionate. That's always been that's always been the case. Yes. Are they getting younger, older, or is it a great I think mix to now? To some or? degree, where they're get there, there's more young people at our shows. Yeah, um, I see. I see that. I mean, not a whole lot. It's still we still definitely it's skew. Great energy the, to your music. It's we definitely skew towards men middle aged. Um, it's kind of like us, you know. So, uh, which makes sense because we share a lot of the same. They grew up listening to the same music, exactly. Music, so that, so I think it's easiest to relate. We're the most relatable to people in our age bracket, and then you know, dudes. So we're like, listen, heavy metal or whatever. But I, but it has been getting better. It's more yeah. more kids and uh, and more women seem like they find something enjoyable in it, which is which is nice because you don't want to think that you're dude rock, you know. Right. And I think that part, I think part of that might come from, you know, our, our Im- but also like our image, you know, the, that skull and the name, it just gives this sort of idea of like heavy and dark and whatever. But then when you actually, we've been around long enough that enough people have heard us probably by this point to realize that we don't sound like that all the time. We do have... You do not. I mean, I'm going to set a couple examples. Pawn everything... Um, yeah. I mean, very <laughs> punk, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. One of the hardest songs uh, you've ever produced, and just, I left weights to that song, fifteen, sixteen. <laughs> That's What's, awesome. What is this about, fifteen, sixteen? Can you give us the context? Uh, sure. I mean, it's I an extremely hardcore song. It's um, it was a riff that I, I can't, I that first Sweet riff, riff. I don't remember how I came up with it. I was just probably playing guitar at home by myself or whatever. Was where a lot of the riffs come from, and then I was like, "Check out this rad! It's pretty metal, but maybe we could try it. I don't know. We don't usually play stuff that's quite so technical, like metal or whatever." Uh, and we started jamming on it, and then John was like, "Uh, something <laughs> wrong with this riff," and we we're like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then we pr- picked it apart and discovered that uh, I dropped one sixteenth note from the riff. It's only that's why it's called fifteen sixteen. Because it's only 15 16th notes. So it's a 16th note short of a regular 4 4 bar. So it kind of creates, well, tension or nausea. Tension. Depending on. Depending. I feel that. Well, and if you don't like it, nausea. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which also is tense. Yeah. But then, yeah. Li- like, lyrically, it's just a, it's about, uh, my lyrics anyway are about, um, uh, I learned to scuba dive at the end of that same tour, that same tour where we went to the barbecue with Metallica at the end. 
um, I stayed on for a week and a half or whatever in, it was in Australia, and I learned to scuba dive there. And one of the things we did was a night dive, and that's when all the sharks come out. And so it was about diving in the water with sharks, but there was also a shitload of sediment in the water, so you couldn't really see anything because you have to use a flashlight, you know? And so it was about, like, swimming around underwater in the dark, not being able to see anything and being surrounded by sharks. But they were reef sharks. They're not dangerous, so... I pretended that they were dangerous, but they really weren't. Yeah. I, you know, if you're underwater at night with a shark, I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> they're dangerous. Right, right. And, you, I mean, you, there's no way your brain's going to be like, it's cool, man. That's, no. It's, yeah. just, it's a damn shark. Yep. I have to ask you, what was it like to jam with Paul Schaefer? It was awesome. It was, it was amazing. It was so good. Uh, we, uh, this was on Letterman when... When? Yes. When it was, was it? 2013. <laughs> 13. Sounds End of right. the 2013, I think. That must have been a thrill. It was so <coughs> cool. Um, one of the best parts was that uh, we got our load-in time, and we we're like, "Oh, that's pretty early, like 6:45 or whatever." And then it was like, "Oh no, no, that's 6:45 a.m. loading time." And so we had to get up at like 5:30 to go. 5:30 a.m. to go load in for this show. <laughs> Show. It's not a show. What is a show? It's true. Yeah, TV show. It's yeah. true. But uh, as we we're, you know, getting set up and whatever, I think it was the stage manager or something said that uh, Paul was coming in to the rehearsal to to play through the song with us several times, and he was like, "That is a really good sign because Paul, you know, he's been doing it for 20 years or whatever. He's like, he never comes in for rehearsal this early. Yeah, he's like, he's it clearly he's actually excited about it to come in at, you know, he didn't come in till whatever like." nine or something but still the fact that he would get up early because he you know he was working all day long of all the bands that come through yeah so and he was like with i mean he's he he was in the blues brothers for crime and he's right he's played with everybody i'm just i'm just proud to be to number among the throngs of yeah of excellent well i i of musicians that he's played with yeah Yeah. but and it was you know it's cool like that he he took such an interest in and he like it was really getting into how the progression went and what he was asking questions about what was appropriate for him to play and what he should, you know, what should I, I do this thing? Should I do like pa- what passing notes are you doing? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. it was cool. He was like, and he's clearly very, way more professional musician than we are because he could, you know, he nailed it after like three, three uh, rehearsals or whatever. And he was writing it all out too. Like he had, really? yeah, he was like charting it out for himself. It was awesome. Have you kept in contact or? Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. We're t- like we summer together in the Hamptons. <laughs> I knew you would say that. <laughs> uh, I would no. like to ask you about your relationship with Orion Landau of Relapse Records. Um, I mean, the artist is incredible. He's cited by Aaron Draplin as his um, uh, like favorite artist, and Aaron Draplin is a uh, kind of a graphic design superstar. Oh yeah. Now Orion, uh, I mean, you've worked with him before. You haven't always seen eye to eye. With Orion, have you? Well, he's a little shorter than I am. Snap. <laughs> you just throw that in, that'd be great. But it's a creative process, getting the yeah. art, getting the art together. No, I, it, we, no, it's never been hard. Uh, he's because he's not like he, he's throwing a lot of ideas at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and so he's, you I don't think that there's. I, I think I know what you're talking about. It was just like the uh, some of the ideas he came up with for uh, whales and leeches were not things that we were feeling but he's a super nice guy yeah he's very he's very level-headed and he, he realized that 
it's something that he's doing, you know, and he wants to, he wants to be proud of it, but also, but it, the image probably represents us more than it does him to some degree. Or I would we, hope so. have, we have to, well, we have to carry the weight of it because it's yeah. on our album. I mean, obviously people will say this album is terrible. This album cover is terrible. And then look up who it is, but who really does that? You know? And he hasn't know. done a bad record cover for us, so that, no. that's not a problem He does either. a lot of really great record covers for a lot of people. Yeah. He does. He's a very, very busy guy, and also always in exceptionally good spirits. So it's super easy working with him. He's awesome. Another one of my favorite songs, I mean, I'm kind of coming across as a fan here rather than an interviewer, Bird on Fire on a, a debut LP. It's just, it just does it for me. All yeah, right. It's one of those songs. Me too. Uh, that was one of the first songs we wrote. I would say incredible. that was one of the first songs that I was like, "This is when we had when we first finally had our first grip of songs." Uh, that was one of the ones that I was like, "This is one of our this is one of our hits," you know. And I wasn't like, of course, I was being sarcastic about hits. Like I knew that we didn't have any hits because nobody had ever heard us. But for me, for me, that was like one of the standout like. This song is fucking rad. I love this song, so I still love it. Yeah, those were those were we kind of just ripped through songwriting back then. It's been it's become a little more of a, pr- a process now. I think we, I don't know if we're getting more keyed up about the whole thing or what, but uh, but back then we're just like, what? Oh, this riff, you know, and then this, and we probably wrote that song in two days. Yeah, I don't even remember writing it to be honest. I just remember. Yeah, that's holy that's, shit. The song is awesome. It that's was when you done. know it went fast. It was if done you don't remember it. writing it, yeah. really, you know. I don't remember the. Pro- I mean, I remember the process of, like, prehistoric dog took some effort and like, uh, throw up took a lot of effort. But a lot of those songs in the beginning, it was just kind of like, well, here it is, you know. Yeah. So. Right. Maybe I should just not go to the songwriting sessions and then just show up and learn and then be shown the parts. Then I'll just learn. Well, that part. song was a collaborative effort, certainly. It was. I, yeah. like, literally don't remember it at all. I think that the majority of that was just, well, I mean, it's a blues song. It's like the the riff, the opening riff is has become sort of a signature thing for us, that those, that, you know, half-step, whole-step, half-step, whole-step scale. Um, we have continued to, or I have continued it's, to go back to it, but I still like it. I don't know. There's yeah, something, it's true. I, there's something about it anyway. But that's a and, good point that we actually we do refer to whenever there's a new song that we have that has that little movement in it, and we're trying to like explain it to one another. It's like, and then you do the bird on fire, so it's right, like a, it's a reference point for a lot of songs that we write because we put that little pattern into not necessarily in the same uh, rhythm or whatever, but that pattern shows up in a lot of songs. It's in wires. It's in. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what all yeah, else. Yeah, so so yeah, I mean, um, that, I would say that song has has a lot to do with um, what we have continued to do. Yeah. Now you listen to that first album, and the latest album, and the vocals. Um, the vocals have come a long way, I think, and uh, you're doing. They've uh, gone somewhere. Yes. <laughs> a, a, a long somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Um, I think. I mean, I think Aaron and I both have have gotten more comfortable singing. Um, yeah, for sure. Willing to, you know, try things out. You know, I, I don't know. It's and I enjoy it. It's cool. But yeah, back then it was just. I mean, the first half of the first LP. A lot of that was me singing, and it was me screaming in a closet. It was just screaming at the top of my lungs. I mean, there's no way unsustainable singing. It was insane. Yeah. I didn't. I had no vocal control whatsoever. 
I was just screaming, and and then I think I stopped doing that because I think we our first tour, maybe our first West Coast tour, I lost my voice within three days. Yeah, I was just I was talking in this rasp, almost inaudible rasp after yeah. three days, and we still had five shows to go or something. And I was I, like, oh, that's this when is I started good. singing. Like I, now I sing Sharks Live. That is probably where you started singing. Honestly, yeah. it was just like because out of necessity because like, totally. Well, you, That's Brian, exactly. you failed. You, you tried and <laughs> failed, sir. But you yeah, know. that is where I started singing, was picking up some of the songs on tour so I could sing. I mean, I sang Murder the Mountains was the first song that I sang, so I did sing on the first EP yeah. that we did or whatever. Um, but that's like three lines, you know. Um, but yeah, I think, well, I think we all came from instrumental bands before. Well, there was some singing in Last of the Wendy's. Party time started singing. That's true, that's true, that's true. I still put out instrumental tracks from time to time. Yeah. I mean, Flames I, on the on the last album, I mean, on the Ghost. You know, it's a beautiful segue. I really gorgeous. enjoy it, too. Yeah, I'm just yeah. glad yeah. we could do it. And Especially with that opener, and then you go right into right into Flames. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty That's pretty much yeah. all David. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, pro- that, like, we were probably plinking and plonking, but I think that main... It's mostly David, David, but I was yeah. super into that thing. I, yeah, it's I love it. It was a very solid album. You set the bar so high for yourselves. I know you're talking about working on riffs, new songs. Are you excited? Are you still excited after 13, 12, 13 years to create new music? I'm still very excited about it. What I, what's it's um, what I'm it's that feeling of that you get when you do when you have been working on something a long time and then you finally have something clicks and you can kind of see everyone cl- it clicks at the same time that is like the best shit you've ever taken it is so amazing and so I'm he still means shit as an actual defecating right? I, it's like, the best oh, defecation man, the best it's, the, it's the biggest BM you've ever right. had it's a great I mean, feeling it's like yeah. you want to run around the yard without your pants on you know and I still have that feeling and that's what I've been still chasing, you know. And it's especially good it's so because we that. don't, as an older gentleman, you don't have that feeling from shitting anymore. And so you have to get it only from exactly. music. Exactly. <laughs> something new. Yeah, we got two, uh, what, two shows coming up at the Wonder Ballroom. Yep. You must be kind of pumped for that. And then lots of Pacific Northwest shows. Then, uh, then obviously back, back to creating music again in the studio. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing Portland again. We haven't Me played too. here in... Over a year. It's been a while. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, I don't know if we can pull it off, but our first show ever was a New Year's show, and then uh, David's Basement. And so I would love if there's some way that we could actually have one of those nights do like a little set of, not those songs, but like of brand new songs that no one's ever heard before. And just like, hey, remember when we were a brand new band and we played a, a, a party in David's Basement and nobody had heard any of our songs? Let's relive that, but with totally new songs again or maybe one of the nights we could do some like a set of songs from that basement show and then the next night do brand new songs i'm just riffing i like those ideas a lot of new riffs for us this is really exciting we do have a lot of riffs i want to interject one last thing that's a terrible way to close this interview which is that uh when we were sort of in a moment when it was there wasn't really time to get together to write music, we are all I think very excited about uh, all these new riffs. But we, I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed by just how many new riffs we have that aren't turning into actual songs. And so I took some time to start teasing apart all of these practice tapes. And uh, 
I had to just stop myself after I got to a point where I had pulled out, I think it was 300 individual riffs that have so far not made it into completed songs. 300. And I was like, and I was like, there's probably another hundred or two hundred more. That's remarkable. That is. There's a lot of material. We don't have we don't have writer's block. In case you're wondering, we're totally good for that. It's very inspiring. I mean, it's very inspiring that you're that creative and that excited. We've got to get some glue these fuckers together. Exactly. We just need some glue. (laughs) (laughs) We got plenty of saws. Now we need glue. This was a thrill for me, really. Thanks. Taken many years for this to happen. I'm so excited to hear hear you guys play the 28th and 29th at the awesome. Wonder Ballroom. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. Today's show was produced and edited by Gregory Day. That's me. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can reach me at greg at pdxpodcast.com. Happy holidays. We'll see you very soon. got new music in 2018 from Red Fang. This is um, Listen to the Sirens. Interesting choice. I'm a big Gary Newman fan. I'm surprised by this choice. I love it. I love it. I was a little surprised also. We just, somebody just made us do it. No, that's not true. I think it was John's idea. I think it was John's idea. He and and David have been listening to Two Boy Army for years and years. They're the ones who turned me on to him. I mean, I knew, you know, Gary Newman, but I didn't know about his earlier band until, yeah mm, yeah until I don't know I was in my 20s I think um, yeah same Tim Green had turned me on to him but I never really really dove in that much so I was just I will learn th- about the song through learning to cover it so it was fun really now it's interesting because the original is so sparse and minimalist I think it lends itself well to a modern cover especially by you uh, and this well, is thanks. just a great take on the song my mother says that it's better than the original. I think <laughs> it is. <laughs> no. My mom Gary. thinks we're better. Right. Your mother's <laughs> My right. My dad actually said the same thing. Right. Two, two Red Fang parents agree. But I think that both of our parents appreciate uh, advances in um, recording technology and audio blah, 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 more so than maybe the uh, purists of, you know, those 70s sounds or whatever, so... Maybe that's why. I'm curious who produced this this track. Uh, that was um, Chris Funk, actually, who did oh, Chris uh, again. Yeah, yes. who did Murder the Mountains. Um, we did it at a studio called Halfling. That's up in Northwest Portland, and was opened by. I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name, but he was uh, uh, pretty high up at Nike. He started the Nike skateboarding division, right. and so he opened up the studio, sort of as a. It was basically to do just. Um, uh, kind of charity 
oriented work. And when we originally recorded the song, we were doing it for a release that was supposed to be like a, a, like a B-side a, for uh, this yeah, single. Yeah, it was supposed to be a 7-inch that was going to be um, a right. fundraiser thing, but then it kind of all fell apart. So now we get to do what we want with it. A fundraiser for what? A cause you're uh, passionate about? Um, the cause was honestly, I mean, we didn't really know. We didn't really know. Um, it was through Chris, it was one it was of Chris's, Chris's uh, charities. Yeah, something that he cared about and was and believed in. I th- it was, it was uh, I believe it was children. It was a childhood cancer childhood research. cancer research. You know, uh, and yeah. so who's more deserving than kids? Because they haven't screwed up the world yet. So you know, keep them alive. <laughs> We'll be back very shortly. Please join us.